I believe the Freedom Project is God's big project. He's been working since the very beginning of time, uh, from the sin of man until the new heavens and new earth. Now, what Moses' story and, and Israel's story coming out of uh, slavery that they're born in for 400 years, generations of slaves in Egypt, out of slavery, through the Red Sea, and into a new land, is really a picture of what we all experience. Uh, we all are born um, opposed to God in rebellion to Him and, and even enslaved to this rebellion. And we run from Him, and it's a fearful thing to come towards Jesus and embrace Him as our Savior and our Lord. Uh, and, and then God sets us free and allows us to embrace Him and faith. And so, not only does He save us from our sin, but a place is a part of our salvation, uh, a glorious place, and not some place in another world, but this place, uh, and that God is renewing this place, this creation, this universe, this heavens, and this earth, to be our everlasting home in which we will dwell with Jesus. And so the fact that Israel, Moses' people, were led out into a new land is a type or a picture of our eternal destiny, that there will be a place in which there will be no more Tears, no more sorrows, no more diseases and, and struggles, uh, no more drama, no more final exams even. Uh, the final exam will be over. And so uh, that's, our, that's our glorious destiny, a place. We're material people. We, we'll dwell in a place. And so I want to read to you a New Testament passage today that will wrap up our semester in think, thinking about our uh, theme of freedom today. And so we're looking at Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Through 30. It is on the board. It's in front of you if you have a handout. So if, and it's in your Bibles if you have those. So look with me in Romans 8. Hear the word of God. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in, in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is, not se that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what, the, what, the, what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Beloved, this is the very written word of God 
The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. May he add his blessing to it tonight and really write its truths on our hearts tonight. Okay, so um, heard a story of a man walking through, walking through kind of a, a farming community, and he saw a little boy out with, a, with, a, with his bow and arrow, and he you know, looked to see what the boy was doing. He was shooting his arrows, and he went up to the barn, and he saw that every single arrow this little boy shot was a bullseye. The kid was awesome. I mean, we're talking like an eight-year-old boy here. He was shooting arrows against his barn. Well, so he, he saw this, and he, he, he said, hey, I'm going to watch and see how he does it. How does he do this? He pulls it off every time, blows off. Well, so the, the kid pulls back, and he sh- shoots at a seemingly random spot on the, bron- the barn, and then you see the kid go to the barn. He gets, his, he gets a, a can of paint and a paintbrush, and he paints a circle, and he paints another circle inside where the arrow is. He painted the bullseye on every single arrow. Uh, and so it, it's, it's just sort of like, that's one way to live life, really, is just kind of, fun, like, kind of like, okay, here's where I am, so this is the bullseye, right? Um, and that's, that's what this kid was doing. And I think that's a lot of times how we kind of live our life. Like, okay, we're going to make the most of it. Okay, it is what it is. We've got, you know, we've got struggles, but we're kind of here. You know, and this, is our, this is our people. This is our place. But I think, I tell you, that's not a way to live with hope. That there's actually a bullseye. There's a place we're going, and, and we need to know where we're going. We need to not like be on, on target and shooting towards something, or we're not going to hit it. And then we're going to draw the target in, you know, kind of on the secondary uh, way. But so God's target for us, or his big promise for each of his people, was, as I, as I alluded to, foreshadowed in the Exodus story, that God would graciously bring creation to a place of glory. And he's going to inhabit that creation with a people of glory, a transformed people in a new heaven, and a new earth. And this is what we call in, the, in, in theology glorification. This is the doctrine of glorification. Now that's, what the, that's what the message is about tonight. The big point is glorification. So it's a, it's a place of glory, a place with no curse, a people that are not cursed, that are free of pollution of sin and sorrow and suffering all through a person of glory. So the first point is there's a place of glory. If you look at verses 18 through 22, you see there that, that Paul, the writer of Romans, has gone through a whole big you know, dissertation on what salvation is. How can someone be justified or made righteous, declared righteous with God? How can you be justified? He goes into that, and he says, and he says he's on a section now where he's talking about objections to justification. And so one of the objections to justification or salvation by grace through faith is that the righteous suffer. And so he's dealing with the sufferings that are in our world. How can you be justified and still have all this sorrow in your life, all the sin in your life, all this hypocrisy in your life, and things that simply aren't your fault that are heaped upon you sometimes? How can this suffering be a reality? And he says in the very beginning, though, is that this suffering that we experience now is not any comparison to the things that we will see the glory that will be revealed to us. And so if you look, just right at your handout right now, look at verse 18, look at verse 30. You see an inclusio here. You see that it starts out with the sufferings are not uh, even in, in comparison to the glory that's to, re- that's to be revealed to us. And at the very end, it says that to those whom he justified, he also glorified. Glory is the theme 
of this text. Through the suffering, the place of glory is to come. And the people of glory is to come through the person of glory. So first, the creation, it says in verse 19, waits. It is waiting just like you. The world is not as it should be. It's waiting just like you for the revelation of what the world is to become. In verse 20, it says the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Who subjected it to futility? God. God did. Uh, It was through Adam and Eve and through God ultimately that that this creation was subjected to futility, uh, to frustration, to groaning. But there's hope. It wasn't that Satan, it wasn't Satan or the devil who subjected this world to futility or groaning. Because the subjection is not like any kind of subjection that, that an enemy would do, but the subjection is actually for hope. It's to be a contrast to hope, as it says in verse 20. And in 21, it says the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And this whole creation in 22 has been groaning together like the pains of childbirth until now. Okay, and so this is a place of groaning. But it's going to be, as he says, a place of glory. So we're moving from a place of groaning to a place of glory. Um, and so uh, Paul in, the, in his day was subjected to much suffering that maybe you are not familiar with. Uh, Paul was imprisoned in Rome, ultimately. He was, he, Christians were imprisoned for their faith. They were killed for their faith. Uh, they knew suffering. Uh, they knew suffering from their authorities. And Paul would say even a few chapters later that they would be in subjection to these authorities, these same people who were hurting them. Paul is explaining to them that there's a lot of drama we're going to suffer in our world. And so um, the way I like to illustrate this is that in our world, every day is like two days after a leg day, if you know what I mean. If you've ever worked out, you know what that feels like. Every single day is like two days after the first leg day of your year. Okay, like, that just hurts. Why is leg day so bad? Why is it so it, It's just, it, it's worse than any other workout. Why? Because you, you kill your legs through squats or, or calf raises and all the other stuff you do for your legs. And then you got to stand on your legs and you got to walk on your legs. And it just is groaning all day. If you've ever seen, if you don't work out, you've seen people who work out and they groan all day after leg day. That's what our creation is like. It's groaning. They, uh, these people groan, our creation groans. Um, the, you know, and it takes groaning to get where we're going, which is glory. Uh, my favorite professional wrestler, The Rock, did not... <laughs> Did not, I mean, I'm following on, Insta, on Instagram now. He's obnoxious on Instagram. He's always posting. Uh, but, but every day I get to see this massive beast of a person whenever I log on Instagram. He's huge. But I'll tell you, the, the rock did not get to be the rock without some leg days. I mean, lots of leg days. And some, probably some steroids as well. Neither here nor there. Okay. It took something to get there. A lot of groaning, a lot of heartache to get to this, this point. The rock. It's a great process of, of being killed in order to get stronger. Uh, being tired. Being hungry. Being broken down. And so, uh, God's plan is, is that, uh, 
creation is not willingly going through this workout, but creation through its unified groan of exhaustion and frustration and being subjected to futility, it's going to be brought out of slavery ultimately and set free just like you and me, just like you and me. And that's going to accomplish its purpose, which in Isaiah 64, let me just read this to you. It says, The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The dust shall be the serpent's food, and they shall not hurt or destroy in my holy mountain. These adversaries shall graze together, wolves and lions grazing together. Uh, No more calamity for children. Um, All of this this blessed uh, place where there's going to be harmony and shalom or peace. There's going to be all that kind of stuff. Because God's going to make it better. It's going to be like, if you want to think about it in biblical terms, the world we're moving towards, this very world, which is going to be transformed, is going to be like the Garden of Eden, but better. I could go on and on and on about how that, but we, we, won't, we won't talk about it. We, there will be no need for um, liposuction. <laughs> there will be no need for, di- for diets. There will be no need for chemo. There will be no need for antibiotics. There'll be no need for any of that. There'll be no need for all this stuff because we'll be no more groaning. Um, No more gravity pressing down upon us and us getting older and dying. There'll be no more, I mean, we like UV rays. We like the sun. We like this. We like summer conference. But the very thing that brings us joy and vitamin D gives us skin cancer. Okay, there is, there is, there is awful. And if you're you're a, a parent like my wife and I, uh, as Jim Gaffigan will tell you, you have to lather up your kids with sunscreen like a week before. Like, it's just non-stop application of sunscreen. And you need to start on that now, actually, if you're going. Uh, so the things that give us joy sort of try to kill us as well. It's, it's pretty, that's, that's our creation. That's what we live in. Our creation groans. We've got birth defects, um, stillborn children. We've got non-development in our, in our growth that puts us in jeopardy. We've got chronic diseases allergies, things that are not awesome. Uh, ears that don't work right, eyes that don't work right. Uh, we've got tsunamis. We've got earthquakes in Nepal just this week with thousands of people dying. Uh, we've got broken bones. We've got disasters. We've got tornadoes. <laughs> this is Oklahoma of all places. We know about that. We've got fires that, that, burn, that burn homes down. We've got children without homes. We've got uh, poverty, we've got sex trafficking in Oklahoma, we've got all kinds of groaning. I don't have to prove that to you. And there's no cure, it seems like. Science can't cure it. Education can't cure it. People are going to keep on fighting and killing each other, and the world's sort of gobbling us all up, and we're all going to die. That's the message of the world. Uh, it's, the, it's the survival of the fittest, and you're going to be destroyed, ultimately. You're going to die. If Game of, Game of Thrones is the most real uh, picture of a worldview without God. It's like everyone's in the game for the throne, and essentially everyone is going to die. Spoiler alert. Um, I haven't read the end of the book or seen the end of the movies, but or the shows. But it seems like everybody dies, uh, and, and and this world is a place of groaning. But one day, this world is going to be a place of glory, a place of harmony. It's happening, uh, and then secondly. Um, this place is going to be a place of glory. Look at verse 23. It says, Not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the Spirit, groan inwardly 
as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So not only is our world experiencing the tribulation of the second day after leg day, that's how we feel every single day, uh, especially on days like this when it is just raining and gross and, and you're, you're getting splash, water splash on you as cars are driving by or bikes are driving by or you're walking to class and you've got four tests this week and it's hard. Uh, and I get it. Uh, we, as it says here, are longing for something. We're all longing for something. But it, this, this scripture, verse 23, Romans 8, 23, actually tells us what is the groaning behind all of our groans. The groaning behind every one of our groans in this life is this. And it's that we're longing inwardly for our adoption as children and the redemption of our bodies. These are the two things we are longing for. We need new bodies, and we need to know that we are approved, that we are in God's household, that we are accepted by Him. We need, we need, we need to no longer be orphans, fatherless, but we need to be accepted by a Heavenly Father. We need justification. And that's exactly what Paul has been arguing for throughout Romans. If you're going to read one book, read Romans this summer. If you're going to read one book in the Bible, read Romans Call me, text me, we'll go through it. It is, it is how we are uh, made right with God in a nutshell by Paul. He tells us how it is. And so we're longing for that. We want to be right with God, adopted as sons. And so this is, it says here that our hope, though, we have the Spirit in us, but it's sort of invisible. It says our hope that is seen is no hope at all. Uh, it's this hope we don't see that we have coming on the horizon that we wait for with patience. We have this hope. And I don't know about you guys, but, I, you know, I'm not good at being patient, and you're not either. Um, actually, I do know about you guys. You can get any kind of food you want within a minute uh, at McDonald's or wherever else you want to go. Um, you can even, like, tap and go it now, which I learned from Morgan, actually. Thank you. I can tap and I can Actually, MJ, you told me this. Okay, so, like, yes, everyone tells me this, but then I, I forget to do it. So, like, so, because I'm... 36 years old now and have a minivan. Okay, like, so, like, but here's the thing. What I, what I, what, you know, if I want Starbucks, I don't have to wait in line because I just tap it and go. It. I can get it, get it done quickly. It is beautiful, right? If I don't want to wait for, uh, if I don't want to even like drive to go see a movie, I can just stream countless movies on Netflix into my home. Easy, on my laptop, on any device. I can watch it on my cell phone even if I need to. Um, if I, if I want to save money for a new bicycle, car, whatever, a house, put on the credit card. Um, you have clothes, just put on the credit card. Anything you want, credit card, right? Credit card, yeah. So these are all sort of blessings, right? Um, you know, when, when, you, when you've got this uh, someday, John, Robert, Mary, you may, you're going to get married. Um, Yvonne, Thomas, um, Marianne, John. You're going to have children, maybe, Lord willing. You know, the Lord's going to bless you with this. And you're going to find out you're pregnant, just like Meredith and I did the first time we were watching 24, uh, Jack Bauer, the first season. Uh, and then, like, we actually watched all of that show before the baby was here. It took so stinking long, like <laughs> 10 months for this baby to arrive. It takes forever. And so you can prepare a nursery. You've got multiple doctor visits. You've got cute little outfits you can get and buy. You can have baby showers. All these sort of things because you're waiting, 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 just patiently groaning. And your wife, my, if you're a man, your wife is groaning uh, and, and, child, and 
Matt, you're going to see this with Catherine someday. She's going to groan. Uh, everyone groans because it's terrible to wait, and you're uncomfortable. The worst time in life, I can imagine, you know, being a man, is nine months pregnant. Uh, like, you just... You're not happy, you're uncomfortable, it's terrible. Uh, and that's what, that, it's not only like, it's not, it's not only being nine months pregnant, it's like you've had a leg day two days ago. Like, that's the worst of it. You are struggling. Uh, and that's what it says we are. We're longing for this, but we don't have, we can't see it. It's not even real to us. Most of the time, we disbelieve it, we doubt it. We have this inward thing, this spirit, the Holy Spirit within us, groaning for us. It's, it's telling us what. How is it doing it? Well, it's reminding us of what the Scriptures tell us. It's reminding us of what Jesus says. As we talked about last week, we have a spirit of freedom, that we are set free, and it reminds us of that. It reminds us of what Jesus says. He's our helper. He's our counselor. He's our personal trainer, if you will, moving us through. He's our midwife, to use that, that sort of analogy for childbearing, right? He's going he's gonna to check us out, help us through it, and get us there uh, safely. There's a promised future that's radically different from the present. And eventually, just like a pregnant woman, you have a baby, and life is different. It is fundamentally different. The Westmorelands are never the same. Never will be the same as we were prior to children. And it is glorious, but it took time. And so, without this, we're lost. Think of the last day here at OU. For seniors, it's going to be, for, for freshmen even who are transferring, it's going to be weird. I mean, you're going to be in a new place. Uh, you, like the, the day you're packing up, you're not knowing exactly what's next. You don't know where the job's going to come through, uh, what the next school is going to be like, where you're going to go. Um, I, I just talked to a, a friend of mine who just got out of prison, and he'd been in prison for 10 years, actually, grew up in the hood, and um, didn't know what his... Uh, what is it, like, like 25 years, uh, he, he thought, you know, 25 years I'll be dead, you know, and then he was in, in jail at 21, and it's and the way he describes it is like a blessing. Yeah, out, of, out of coming out of jail, he met, met a Christian, and, and this guy has witnessed to him and, and sort of helped him to change his life around, and, and he's, you know, whereas before he thought he'd be dead, now he um, is looking at, you know, getting a new life, uh, getting, getting you know, his education and uh, getting a trade, and, you know, he's, before, he was thinking, I'm going to die. Uh, this is it. I, I'm not going to live past 25. Now he's got the future of a family and um, a life uh, of, of giving to others, actually. And, um, he, you know, this is sort of, you know, counterintuitive that there is hope beyond the current struggles. And that's an extreme example. Uh, I don't know if any of us have been in prison for 10 years for Something, but, but God takes us who uh, deserve spiritual prison or, or, or hell, and, and, he, and he brings us out of that destiny into life, freedom, out of slavery into freedom. It's a radical transformation that we forget. Like, we're so dull to it that we don't realize how, if we're in Christ, just the radical nature of our new life. It's absolutely different. Your destiny is different. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Um, you know, thinking about um, this thing about Keanu Reeves this week. Yeah, of course, right? Who doesn't think about Keanu Reeves? Uh, something came up on Facebook and started, I click, 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 and then I'm watching YouTube videos with Keanu Reeves in it. And uh, Well, Keanu, uh, it's a story about Keanu and how, like, he's a very humble guy for being a big multimillionaire actor guy. It had a picture, or like a video of him riding the subway, just kind of hanging out with people. And it talked about how um, 
uh, throughout his life, he'd struggled with dyslexia. Uh, his, his education was, some of you might have that, and, and it's challenging, uh, more challenging than it is for others to do high school and college and stuff like that. Uh, at 23, his best friend died of a drug overdose. Um, then he met his, uh, his wife. Um, she got pregnant. They had a daughter, um, but the daughter died in childbirth, uh, uh, which is devastating. Um, uh, eventually, uh, they, uh, the marriage ended 18 months later, uh, and then his uh, wife died in a car accident. Uh, just on and on and on. Like Keanu Reeves, I don't know if you knew this, I mean, he had a very tragic life. He has had one. Um, in 2006, he told uh, a magazine that grief changes shape, but it never ends. It never ends. It really doesn't. It, it, you're going to experience grief in many ways of your life, but it never ends. Wise words by Neo from The Matrix right there. Uh, grief changes shape, but it never ends. And so God has got to give you the Holy Spirit to teach you the doctrine of providence. If I ever, if I ever create a church or start a church, I think I want to name it Providence Prez. Because providence is the greatest, one of the greatest concepts you'll ever, you'll ever hear or believe. And it's, the word's nowhere in the Bible, but it is a summary of what we're talking about right here. It's saying that uh, in verse 28, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. The Spirit has to teach us that. That even in the grief, even in the suffering, that there's a classic destiny for us. There's a good place for us. Providence is a thing that we need to know more than anything. And so if I know that, if I know that God's in control of everything, He's working things out for His purposes, then I can do all kinds of things. I can do some remissions. I can give my money away. I can give my time away. I can be a martyr. I can do this. I can do everything. Not just the comfortable things, but the difficult things. Because my adoption and the redemption of my body is secure. And so I can be about the redemption of others. God saves people like us and utilizes us for redemption of others. Uh, all the drama you go through, the, the grinding it out in, in classes, studying, uh, the just staying up late at, to 3 a.m., talking through the problems of your roommate or friend, like this is all a part of the good that God works for those who love him. Uh, the, all this stuff, he's moving you and others towards glorification by his providence. Glorification by his providence. And that includes a lot of groaning. This is the thing. Groaning, God's providence, glorification. Uh, it's not just freedom for its own sake, but there's destiny, there's glorification. So, and this is all through the person of Jesus, the third point, the final point. Jesus is the ultimate point, isn't he? Uh, and so look at the last two verses. It says that for those whom God foreknew, and if you look at that word in the, in the original languages, uh, this word is synonymous with love, for those who God loved. Uh, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, we don't have the time to go into all the intricacies of predestination tonight. If you want to know more about that or election or whatever, we can talk about it. But it says he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. This is your destiny, the son. In order that, that he might be, Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers. So your, your purpose, if you're in Christ, is to be conformed to the image of Jesus, who is to be the firstborn of many children. God wants to expand his household, expand the place with people of glory. 
And so in verse 30 it says, whom, uh, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, this is the, this is the beauty of everything here. If your destiny is in the image of Christ, and that means you can rest from trying to prove yourself all the time. Because you are being conformed to his image by everything that goes on. God's providence, his salvation, on to glorification. You don't have to prove yourself to anybody. You don't have to protect yourself at all. Um, you are okay. Uh, there's, there's a great example of, of just what this looks like in our day-to-day lives. And I don't know if this resonates with anybody at all, but it really, I like it. Uh, if you've ever seen the, the show The Office, uh, there's a, a great, in the later seasons, a great example of, of what this looks like, of what actually what our lives look like all the time. Uh, the new boss is actually um, a guy named D'Angelo Vickers. Uh, and, and he is a um, pretty, pretty mean guy. Uh, he thinks Andy Bernard uh, is sort of like ridiculous. Andy Bernard, the nard dog. Um, you know, he's the funny guy in the office, but this boss doesn't think he's funny. He doesn't laugh at any of his jokes. Only when Andy hurts himself does Vickers laugh at him. Big, big imposing guy. Andy Bernard's kind of the clown. Well, Andy, Andy Bernard, um, he's, he's so anxious to sort of win him over, he's willing to do anything to make him laugh. And so Andy will, you know, you know he's in the break room, and, and D'Angelo, the uh, boss, says, says to him, he says, I'm having a rough day. Make me laugh. So Andy can't tell a joke and make him laugh, so he puts his hand in a toaster and turns it on to burn himself, and that cracks him up. And then he takes a, a big ball, a big thing of cheese balls and pours it on his head. Makes him laugh, okay? He pours hot coffee on his crotch. Makes him laugh. D'Angelo makes him eat soap. Makes him laugh. Why is Andy doing that? He is saying, I have got to get the approval of the new boss in order to get it. And if, he, if that means sacrificing my dignity, I will do it. And that's at the end of the day why we all sacrifice our place with Jesus and entertain any kind of sin. Is we, we sacrifice our dignity because we don't really believe that God knew us before we were born and conformed us to be in the image of his son and will preserve us till he glorifies us. We don't really believe that. We don't believe that he foreknew you, loved you, and predestined you, knowing every website you click on, every Google search you would run, and not run from you and hide from you. He runs towards you. Uh, we have a different destiny than the one we're actually trying to run towards, uh, and, which is death and slavery to sin. Uh, God has freedom for you, freedom in mind for you. He's had that for you before you're born if you're in Jesus. If your faith is in him, that is your destiny. Freedom with him forever, glorification, which glorification, I'll define it, I've been talking about it, is freedom from guilt. It's freedom from the pollution of sin. It's freedom from the curse. There's going to be one day in which we don't desire to run away from God, and our, our place is wonderful as well. God's going to be at work in you for glorification. Before you existed, before you were invented, God had an intention for you. He had an interest in you. He knew you and he loved you. And so freedom, in conclusion here, is, has its end in glorification only. A promised land for those who are born in slavery. A king who brings us there. It's Jesus. And we have, we've come to the end of the semester, to the end of the story, uh, and it's the end of the Bible. Uh, that, uh, really, it's, it's the New Testament. It's an it's a, it's a appendix 
looking back to the cross, looking back to what Jesus did. And I want to end with a quote from someone who's on our book table, C.S. Lewis. And he's written a kid's, like a seven-book kid's story about Narnia. And it's this fairy tale world which has a character in it, if you aren't familiar with it, named Aslan, who is a lion. He's the Christ figure in it, and he meets up with, with, his, with the children in the end, and this is how, this is how the story ends. Um, it says, And as he spoke, Aslan spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. The things that began to happen after that were so great, so beautiful, that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all stories. And we can most truly say that, that they all lived happily ever after, but for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. The great story has yet to begin. But we are destined for that. Every page, every chapter is better than the one before. It's coming. We're only on the cover page, the title page. Life with Jesus in the new heaven and new earth is where we're going. It's glorification, y'all. That's the real story. We're made for a new chapter. Let's, uh, let's pray and we'll sing one more song. Lord, help us uh, as we experience life. Lord, help us to, to live as if we know the ending. To help us to, to be comfortable in uncomfortable places, uh, in hard callings difficulties, sufferings, groanings, because you're driving us to glory through your providence on to glorification. Lord, we know the ending, uh, glory for us that we can't even imagine. So Lord, as we look to Jesus, as we uh, look away from our own um, works, our own uh, abilities, and look to you only through the blood of Jesus who atones for all of our sins, Lord, would you, would you give us faith in him alone? Uh, for our salvation, and would we give you glory, and would we lead others to you, uh, lead others to this great story which begins in the new heaven and earth, we pray in Christ's name, amen.